to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Well, it's so good to see you guys and so good to be with you uh, today this Christmas Eve. With it being Christmas season, uh, Christmas is often a time of giving, and that uh, doesn't change for us as well. Here at Lakeland, during our Christmas Eve services, we always take an offering and we give it all away. We give it to uh, some organizations or some projects that we uh, are already behind, and we want to see those things make it to the finish line. But I want to highlight a couple. Uh, we're not going to pass buckets this year, but I will give you an opportunity that as you leave, you can give to a couple of the projects. One that we've chosen is Ogre de Vida. It's an organization that is a children's home, a transitional kids' home. Uh, uh, in both Costa Rica and Guatemala, and they've got a portion of their roof that is leaking on the kids, and um, they would, they've made this their goal to uh, be able to fund this project, and we want to see them make it across the finish line, and so a portion of what we're going to be uh, collecting is going to go to finish off that project. Second project that we're going to be doing is actually for a church in uh, Honduras. Two Christmases ago, we actually took all that was given, and we built a church um, with those funds in Honduras, and this is just the auditorium of that church. Um, but just two months ago, I heard that they actually had been vandalized. And so the people there started raising funds to be able to build a wall, to, you know, just a protective wall around the property, as well as their classrooms. We also sponsor kids there um, through Compassion International, a whole bunch of folks here at Lakeland do. And so um, I know for them, it would probably take them years to fund that project to build a wall uh, to protect the building. And um, what could take them years we can accomplish actually during this service. And so um, I would just love to invite you to be a part of making that happen. So we're going to knock that one out. The other thing that Lakeland has done this year that's probably, it's, it's just a different season. It's a unique season. We've probably given away more money through our family fund in helping pay people's rents, mortgages, uh, put food on the table, pay bills than we've ever. And those are just increasing more and more month by month because of uh, the COVID reality. And so whatever else is given is kind of going to go into that mission's budget so that we can can continue to meet people's needs right here in our community. And so uh, as you leave here today, if you're here in the room, you can leave or give by uh, dropping a gift in a, the buckets that our ushers will have. There's also giving boxes against the back wall. If you're online or you want to give digitally, you can text the give, uh, follow the instructions on the stream. If you're online, our chat host will drop also how to give online via, uh, via digitally. But uh, however you give, whatever you give, thanks for giving. Um, because uh, I know that it will be a huge huge impact for these organizations to see these projects get fully funded this Christmas, and we're going to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Today, um, here we are, Christmas 2020. It's been a strange year, right? <laughs> I don't know how you would describe this year. Some might describe it as the year of what did you say, M meaning everything is said behind a mask, and people are like, what'd you say? <laughs> or digitally on a screen, and people are like, you're still muted. <laughs> and people are like, what did you say? I didn't hear you. You were muted. Maybe you would call it the year of meeting people that you never knew what they looked like. I would talk to people after a service here and be like, it was so good meeting you and your eyes. And I, <laughs> I hope to be able to recognize you next week, but I have no clue what people actually look like. Maybe you would call this the year of hoarding and running out. I don't know if you've hoarded some items this year or if you've run out of some items this year, but I've experienced both. Uh, I remember back in March when we couldn't find anything at 
the grocery store as far as like bread and some of the necessities. I think I even said it on a Sunday morning. Couldn't find any bread. That next week, people from the church just started dropping off bread at my house. 20 plus loaves later, I was like, okay. <laughs> I know there's 11, uh, 11 of us in the home, but still, we don't need 20 plus loaves of bread. <laughs> you might describe this year as the year of online shopping or the year of auto ship. Anyone use auto ship? You know, it just kind of comes monthly, gets, send it to your house. I discovered we're not masters of auto ship yet. I discovered that mid-July when I walked into my garage and I counted, I believe it was like 56 rolls of paper towel. And I was like, slow down on the auto ship. Like I see the guy showing up to deliver some. I'm like, just take it back. I don't want it. <laughs> it just kept coming. Maybe you'd call this the year of where did my favorite brand go? Like, for example, I can't buy Minute Maid Light anymore. I don't know where it went. It's just gone. My deodorant, gone. So I have to find a new deodorant. Apparently, I have two options. I can smell like a pine cone or musk, whatever that is. But maybe for you, you as well, there's like a half dozen things where you're like, it's just gone. It's just, it's gone. And I haven't seen it since March. Uh, maybe it's the year of, of uh, how do you greet people? Like I've lost the, an understanding of even how to say hi to people. Do I shake their hand? Do I high five them? Do I give them knucks, elbows, knees, toes, head, shoulders, knees, and toes? What do I do? You know, it's like you just don't know. Uh, maybe you would describe this year as the year of what you didn't get to do or a year of loss. What you didn't get, maybe you didn't get the surgery that you had planned or you didn't get to have the family gathering. You didn't get to go to that movie. You didn't get to go to the concert, the show, the school program, the field trip, the sporting event. You didn't get to have the birthday party or the anniversary or the wedding that you wanted or that you dreamt of. You didn't get to uh, enjoy your sports season or you didn't get your graduation. Maybe it was the year of loss. Maybe you lost a job or you even lost the place where you lived and you had to move somewhere else. Maybe you lost your, vaca your vacation or your office space or your schedule or control of your schedule. You lost your favorite public place where you love to hang out. You lost your hobby. Maybe you lost a portion of your income. And maybe you even lost a family member or a friend. It's been a tough year. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, this lady, and we were on a Zoom chat, and she said, uh, this year has been really tough. She said both her and her husband's jobs shifted. They downsized their home. All of their grown kids moved, and she was in a Zoom call with me from her parents' house while she was there for her dad's funeral. And she said, if I could describe this year, it's the year where everything got taken out of my hands. And then she said this, and I thought it was really interesting. She just said, and I think it might be the best thing that's ever happened to us. Now, you may not agree with it that it's been a good thing for you. Some of the things that you've lost, you would do anything to get back. And then other things that you've lost, you've realized, man, as they got stripped out of my hand, I don't think I'd ever pick them up again. Like, I'm actually okay moving on without this thing or that thing. Like, it was actually clutter in my life, or, and it's become a little bit easier now. I don't know if you, how you feel, but you probably, like all of us, would say 2020 was a little bit of some things got ripped out of your hands. Some of your plans got ripped out of your hands. And maybe you just feel like you're left like this at the end of 2020, open-handed. You know, we're not the first people to experience kind of life being stripped out of their hands. Actually, that's kind of the story of the very first Christmas. Let's imagine it like this. The year is 1 AD, BC. <laughs> 1 BC. And an angel visits Mary first and then Joseph. And in a matter of moments, everything is kind of stripped out of their hands. Let's check it out in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. This is what it says. 
An angel said to her, being Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. But he, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, as soon as fin, the, the angel finishes saying this, Mary knows exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the Messiah, and probably a pretty profound experience having this message delivered from an angel that she probably believes. All right, this is legit. This is going to uh, happen. Her, really, her only question is, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And then the angel goes on to explain, well, the Holy Spirit will overcome you, and uh, this is going to be from the Lord, and he's going to make this happen. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how you slice it or dice it. This is going to look like a scandal. You know, it's going to look like either Mary was living promiscuously or that Mary and Joseph kind of got the cart before the horse in terms of their relationship. And uh, now they're going to go and they're going to start telling people, listen, we're pregnant, but it's all legit. It's all good. I know we're not yet married, uh, but this is from the Lord and we're having the Messiah. Remember the one we've been waiting for for hundreds of years? Ta-da! We're it. And I can imagine that no one is going to believe them. And in that day and age, this is not just going to look like a whoopsie-daisy. This is going to be forever a label on them as a family that this is a scandal. And Mary and Joseph, they step into God's plan for them. But in that moment, as they step into that plan, every dream and plan and hope that they probably ever dreamt as they were growing up as young kids and thinking about the day when they get married and the day they have kids and the day they get established in their hometown, probably never once did they imagine that it would look like this, that it would start appearing like a scandal. And that whole dream gets stripped out of their hands on day one. But if there's anything that we could kind of pick up from Mary's response, maybe, just maybe in 2020, we could just glean a little bit from how Mary responds here when she says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. If I could imagine Mary kind of taking a posture as she says these words, I imagine her posture is a little bit like this. Every dream and every hope and every plan I've ever had just left my hands. And now here I am, standing with my hands wide open. And now I just offer my life to you, and I say, I'm your servant. To just step into that story, step into that new plan. Why can she be so open-handed? Well, maybe it's because of the first statement that the angel said. Maybe it's because of what the angel said in verse 30, where he said this, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. See, maybe this statement at the very beginning sets the tone for the entire encounter that she's going to have right now with God, where she's going, okay, everything that follows, although my whole story and my whole dream is being ripped out of my hands, this entire experience is going to be an experience of favor. And so as a result of that, I can step into it and I can say, yes, I can say to God, uh, may it be to me as you've said. I know the next part of the story was not easy for Mary or Joseph. Are, are you aware that what happens kind of at this first Christmas, uh, Caesar decides to have a, you know, have a census right there in that moment. Nine months pregnant, everyone's got to go to their hometown. How many ladies who have been nine months pregnant would love to go on a multi-day road trip on a donkey? 
This is the journey all the way back to Joseph's hometown. And then when they arrive, there's no room for them in the inn. And so they go on out to what we often refer to as the stable, which likely was a cave, which is where they kept their animals. And Jesus is born. And of course, there's no place to even lay him except for a manger, which would have been a feeding trough for animals. This is where the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is laid. And then the first visitors on the scene are the shepherds. I don't know if that was a welcome visit or not, if they're like, just go away. <laughs> I saw this meme this week, and I don't know if he arrived on that day or ever, but I love this. I need a gift for a sleeping newborn baby. Drum solo! <laughs> that, no, that probably didn't happen, but I can promise if, the, if there was a drummer, Mary would not have welcomed it. <laughs> It would not have been a part of her story. See, this is the unexpected, never-would-be-planned event where Mary and Joseph probably feel like every dream or plan that they ever had was stripped out of their hands. But they're okay because they remember that God is now writing a story, and it's a story of favor over them. See, Mary and Joseph are chosen. The angel says to Mary, you found favor with God. And this is not the only place in Scripture where God talks about the goodness of God for another for people who are chosen. Check this out. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if you grew up going to church, maybe you've heard this verse before. It says this, we know that in all things, everyone say all things. God works for the good. Everyone say good. Of those who love him, who have been called. You want to know what that is? That's being chosen. Who've been called according to his purpose. Just like Mary and Joseph were chosen for this thing that's actually favor. Are you aware? God is still calling people. He's still choosing people, and he's calling them into a story in which all things are going to be actually work for good. That's what he's still calling people in, into, which is why, even though at the end of 2020, it might feel like everything's being stripped out of our hands, we can still take the posture and say, well, if you're still calling people, and you're still working all things for good, then I guess, although I've got nothing left in my hands, I can offer myself to you as a servant and say, have your way in my life. Question, do you think that Mary and Joseph's journey was uh, easy? No. Was it trial-free? No. For us, if we become followers of, of God, followers of Jesus, does your life become trial-free? No. no. Does it become easy? No, not necessarily. But the big difference and the major difference here is as a follower of Christ, it's just like in the story of Mary and Joseph, we know that God has a plan that he's working out for good for favor. Jesus' life is even a model of that. Was Jesus' life easy? No. His final moments, him on a cross, suffering. But guess what was happening? It was probably one of the moments of greatest good, at least to us in that moment, was being displayed. Check out what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. That Christ on the cross, what he was doing is God was actually reconciling the world to himself in Christ, in Christ's death, while he's suffering, there's an exchange that's happening that's reconciling us to God. That exchange is this. He was not counting people's sins against them any longer. Instead, all of our sin was being placed upon Christ. All of our punishment is being placed upon Christ so that we could have a restored relationship with the Father when we put our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. That sounds really good to, to me, if, if you ask me. His death and his sacrifice in that moment, although painful for him, there was so much good and so much love being demonstrated there. See, it's not always easy, but God uses everything. And he's using these moments of 2020 where it feels like perhaps everything got stripped out of your hands for good. 
If Mary went through it, if Joseph went through it, a life where kind of things got stripped out of their hands and God used it for good, and if Jesus went through it, and if the disciples went through it, then you and I are probably going to go through it as well. Moments in our life when it just seems like everything got stripped out of our hands, and yet God can still redeem it and use it for good. Maybe at the end of this year, we've just kind of come to this final posture. Is it possible that God maybe sees the whole story a little bit better than we do? just like he did in marrying Joseph? I think it is. If I could leave you with a a, a thought, maybe it's just simply this thought. Is it possible that what is being stripped away from your life today could become a part of a story of favor in your life for tomorrow? Is it possible that what you seem to have to let go of this last year, that God is actually going to do something so good with that story in the coming year or in the years ahead? You know, my kids, I've got nine kids, and having nine kids, there's kind of a, a general theme in our house, and that is that my, a lot of my kids are hoarders. I don't know if your kids are hoarders, but I think it happens because they're naturally, they're forced to share with everything. It's kind of like, hey, you get something, yes, it's yours, but you're going to have to share it. It's, it's always, so then they're always like, I want to hold my stuff and keep my stuff. So this happened like a year and a half ago. It was my youngest daughter's birthday, and we were getting her a new bike, and so she was going from like the, one of those micro bikes, the tiny ones, to like a general little kid bike. And so we did got this like rainbow unicorn bike. That's what she wants. She's got the rainbow unicorn helmet and she's out riding around in the driveway on her birthday on this new bike. And as I go on out there, uh, I grab her old bike that was laying off to the side and start walking it into the garage. And she looks at me and she goes, dad, what are you doing with my bike? I go, no, this is not your bike. That's your new bike, the new bike right that you're on. She's like, yeah, but I want, I want that bike too. That's my bike too. And I go, no, no, no. You, you see, we have one simple rule with bikes in my house. And that is there's 11 of us. So you cannot have two bikes. That would be 22 bikes in my home. I don't got room for that. So it's like you get one bike, choose your bike wisely. And so she's starting to have a little throwdown. She's like, I want to keep that bike. Now here's the deal. That little micro bike, when she got on, it was like, you know, it was like a giant on this mini bike, you know, a clown or something like that. And it was like, it was falling apart. It's like, you know, those little rubber, rubber handles that are supposed to protect the kids on the handlebars. You know, that thing had fallen over so many times. It's just like metal shards everywhere. You, you know, like this is going to bike heaven. And, uh, and that's, so that's where I want to take it. And, and she's like wanting to hold on to it. And I remember, I think that day ended with me prying it out of her grips while crying. And I'm sitting there going, happy birthday. You know, it was like something like that. But here's the deal. It's like, I, I, it was time to let go of this because I actually had given her something that was so much sweeter. And yet she was holding on to that because it was what she was comfortable with. And sometimes in our lives, we... We just wish we could grip the thing that we've held on to all along because we're comfortable with it. And yet sometimes God's like, listen, in the process of letting go, I actually have something better that I'm going to give you. And I wonder what 2020, what what has left you open-handed, perhaps, what you let go of. But as you stand like this, maybe you should just actually be in a posture ready to receive something better. Something sweet and something good because God's going to use all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called. Just like he called Mary and Joseph, he's still calling people. I believe he's calling some of you who have never trusted him before, and he has a sweet gift to give you. It's salvation. And he wants to walk with you through life. We're gonna, the, the band's going to come out now. They're going to sing their song. We're going to light our candles, but not yet. 
Before they do that, I just want to invite you, if you're open to this, to maybe just put your hands out like this, like this posture of surrender. Maybe like Mary. Mary said, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you've said. If I could translate that for us today, maybe it's as simple as this. God, have your way. May you bring your good story. Play out the good things that you have for my life. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to invite you to join me in this prayer, kind of open-handed. You at home as well, just open up your hands. Posture of surrender and openness. Maybe for you here, maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And just like Mary was called and Joseph was called, God's still calling people. And maybe you sense that he's calling you right now. You can trust him as your Lord and Savior with a simple prayer like this. Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I thank you so much that you sent your son to lay down his life for me at the cross. I stand here or sit here open-handed and I receive the wonderful gift that you offered. That you took my sin upon yourself at the cross to reconcile me to you. And as we continue praying, maybe there are some things that this year you just want to tell God, honestly, this is what I've lost This is what has been stripped out of my hands this year. But I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I'm going to take the same posture as Mary. Just say, I'm your servant. Bring your good into my life as you see fit. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Grab your candles that you got on your way in. And we're going to light these candles and we're going to sing Silent Night. Now, probably one of my favorite parts of this song is where it says, uh, it talks about this, the light dawning and Jesus is Lord at thy birth. And uh, as we light the, these candles, just to remind our hearts that yes, it might have been a, seemed like a really dark and almost scandalous night and yet light was bursting upon the scene. So our ushers are going to come and start lighting your candles right now and would you just join us as we sing Silent night. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.